Hi everyone, welcome to episode 29 of an Inside View podcast with On The Ball Team Building. If this is your first time listening to Inside View podcast, we really appreciate it if you go back to episode 1 and have a listen. Please do rate, review, tell your friends, family, whoever may know about the podcast. It will mean a huge amount to us. We'd be extremely grateful. Um, any interaction that you may have about the podcast, please do tag On The Ball Team Building and do tag the guest also. Big shout out to GRG Sports, who are our sponsors. Uh, they're actually running a competition at the moment over on their social media pages. So be sure to head over there and check them out. If you type in GRG Sports or Game Ready Sports on um, any social media platform, you'll find them. Um, so I think it's actually time to bring on this week's guest. And I'm delighted to be joined by co-founder and CEO of Future Proof Media, Connor Telty. Futureproof Media are a multimedia marketing agency company based in Dublin. They cater for businesses of all shapes and sizes, from local store to multinational corporations. Telty, a proud Dublin man, played with Parnells for a number of years in his youth and changed to Rohini later on in his career. Despite living and living and being based in Dublin, he actually talked out for Clare GA2 in a Munster final against Cork. You know, like every new business and startup, uh, you know, Future Proof Media went through a lot of ups and downs. Um, uh, but I'm definitely looking forward to have a chat with him about that. Uh, things to look out for, advice to, to aspiring entrepreneurs. And just kind of get an insight into um, how they negotiate and how they deal with, you know, these large multi multinational companies and how they adapted to the, the current pandemic. Um, so we have a lot to cover. And I'm uh, looking forward to you know to chat to to Connor. Hi Connor, welcome to an Inside View podcast. How are things above in Dublin at the moment? Not bad now, Jamie. Not bad. A bit better than it is down in Kerry now after that dreadful loss you had last week, no doubt. Oh Jesus! I dig straight away. <laughs> <laughs> I just um, wanted to bring it up early, you know, and, and get it out of the way, like just because <laughs> better to rip the plaster off, I suppose. Jeez, it was uh, it was some fairy tale considering like. You know, he barely touched the ball before that, like, and then uh, just dropped into his hands in the box. Yeah, the the plaster is truly off. Oh, no, sure look, we leave that one where it is anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, so look, um, from a business perspective, how has things been for you the last couple of months? Um, we might take it the first and the current lockdown. So first of all, how are things? You know, coming into the first lockdown, um, and how did you respond to it? Yeah, to be honest, it hasn't been too bad. I actually kind of uh, enjoy these kind of times. Like, um, you know, we, we were supposed to be doing a lot of big projects and they kind of fell by the wayside in the first lockdown. Like, we we're supposed to be doing Euro 2020, the marketing for when that came to Dublin. Um, and uh, obviously a lot of stuff around the GAA Championship, that kind of fell by the wayside. Um, and then obviously with the lockdowns and stuff, in the first lockdown, like, uh, video production and that wasn't considered um, an essential service but that differed now for this second lockdown it is an essential service so we're getting a bit of work done but um, you know it's, uh, it's a funny old time like you know you're kind of cruising around life's a bit more relaxed there's no traffic you know you've never felt better you've ne- the head's never been clearer you know we'll get through it anyway well it's not the end of the world and um, you know you just have to keep plugging on don't you Exactly, exactly. And from, I suppose, look, from um, uh, from a business perspective, how 
did you um, did deal with it like you know because I suppose like you're saying you know the, for the first lockdown you weren't deemed as an essential service so how do you adapt and respond to that for those couple of months? Yeah so we had to kind of develop a new kind of way of working essentially because uh, everything that we used to do was was on site like you know if we were doing a media event we'd be on site or if we were doing a video shoot we'd have to be on site getting the video shoot but we, you have to you have to think quickly and think on your feet or otherwise you know you're just going to be sitting there uh giving out about the government and complaining that they're, you're locked down and all that stuff but you kind of see it as a bit of an opportunity it actually it actually has broadened our scope of work a lot because as I said, we had to be on site for a lot of that stuff. But now we're after developing new capabilities where we can kind of work and create content using like already existing content, be that uh, pictures, videos, um, you know, graphics, design, all that kind of stuff and make really impactful um, videos and promotional assets for brands without actually having to leave the office at all. Like So now um, we can offer things to brands where a lot of the time they would have kind of been a bit hesitant because it's a bit of an effort for them to go to, to like, you know, set up shoots and all that kind of stuff and even be there on the day. But we can say like, listen, like you don't actually have to do anything. Like we'll be able to, we'll be able to organize everything. You can still be at home from your, um, working from home and that type of thing. And that'll be grand. We'll keep you going on, on social or on TV or whatever sort of place you want to, um, promote your products. Whereas like, a lot of people have just stopped marketing altogether, but you're you're still well able to do it if you can think creatively, you know. And just on that point, there you you mentioned earlier on um, around the euro. What was kind of plans in relation to that? Um, roughly, was it was it going to be billboards or was it more kind of online advertising? Ah, oh, there was there was loads of different elements. Now the funny the 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 thing was like like the timing of this was actually. Uh, mental like the first thing that we were supposed to do was we were supposed to put on a big activation at the paddy's day parade like you know so we we're gonna have like a big kind of football kind of like a football kind of little fan village kind of area and there'd be like players and stuff down and they'd be doing kind of you know the tech ball and all that kind of stuff and you'd be making videos and you'd have your freestylers and all that sort of stuff so that was supposed to be at the paddy's day parade which was the first thing that actually got cancelled. Like, and it was like, we were still thinking we were going to do it, like, up until about two days before. And we were like, I think this could still be on. Like, and they were like, yeah, it's still on. Like, unless the Paddy's Day Parade gets cancelled. And then, like, that got cancelled then, like, the day before. And we are like, oh, no. And we are like, ah, oh, sure, look, it's only going to last a week or two, this virus. Like, you know, it couldn't go on forever. Like, you know, and here we are. What is it? What is that, nine months later or something like that? Or eight months later? Still going, but sure, look. Who knows what will happen? I think there's talks of the Euros going to Russia now or something like that. So we might not even come back to Dublin. But um, hopefully there's some other elements that we can still work on. Like um, I think there might be a trophy tour and st stuff like that still going ahead. Like, you know, you'll have your trophy coming over with like Luis Figo or something like that. And, uh, you know, we'll need to do a bit of marketing around that and a bit of media stuff. So, look, it'll still be good anyway. A lot of the stuff we do now, we just do because it's good crack anyway. Like, you know, so, you know, we'll get by. It's not the end of the world. Brilliant, brilliant. And uh, I just, it'd be it's probably something important to, to touch on. Um, during the lockdown, we say the first lockdown, you did a bit of work with Dublin City Council um, about getting people more active out and about. And the feedback was very, very good. Um, do you want to give a kind of an insight into exactly what it was and 
what other we say county councils could actually learn from it. Yeah, like we we work with Dublin City Council like on a retained kind of basis. So like we work with their um their sports and their health departments and that type of thing. So um a lot of the work we do with, with them is basically just promoting uh, activity, physical activity, health, and the importance of that in kind of communities around inner city Dublin and that type of thing. So we would have come up with some um, kind of interesting interactive video concepts where people can kind of watch and follow along videos from home and kind of um, different exercise structures based on their fitness level. So you could follow along the same thing, whether you were 90 years old or whether you were 20, you know. So there was different kind of different kind of strategies there and they were interactive. So you could kind of click onto different exercises on the screen or take you to different parts. And um, that went down really well. So that's kind of one element. And then the other element is actually telling the stories of people who've been impacted by the work of the Dublin City Council. So, you know, a lot of people see a lot of these sporting things going on on around their area but they don't realize that they're put on by the council because they all have their own sort of different branding and stuff like that so we kind of meet the people who've been affected um positively by the work like so you, you're talking like say some some of the stuff that we did was um video content with a team of rowers from from Drimna and Clondalkin and stuff like that who are 80 year old men who you know, never did a sport in their life. And then Dublin City Council got them into rowing and now they're out every day. They have a team, the A-team rowers, and they row up and down the, the canal there and they love it, you know, that kind of way. So it's just interesting to tell these stories because a lot of the time people don't know what's going on in other people's lives and they don't. And then there'll be some people sitting at home then thinking that they can't get involved in sport. And then they say, oh, well, there's maybe an 80-year-old neighbour there rowing up the canal. Like, no, I can do it. And then that you're just looking to inspire people on a regular basis and try and get them to, you know, change their life for the better. Because as you know yourself, like the hardest part is actually getting started. But once you get started, it all goes from there, and you can just, you can just kind of follow the path that's laid out ahead of you. Because everyone else is there's other people doing it. You won't be the first person. You won't be the last either. Very good, very good. And it's uh, it's definitely something that could be rolled out. Um, in other, you know, in other counties, in other county councils. Yeah, because... we've actually done a bit with uh, with the other county councils. So that's Dublin City Council, and we worked with uh, South Dublin County Council as well on a similar project during the European Week of Sport because they couldn't put on their European Week of Sport events, like you know. So we were able to um, do another video project project with them, and then yeah, hopefully we can expand outside Dublin and maybe make a trip down to Kerry one of these days and get them all into on the ball team building and do a bit out there, you know? <laughs> love the plug, love the plug. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and just on that European week of sport, uh, do you want to give a bit of insight exactly what that is or was and um, yeah, what the objectives of, of it was? Yeah, that, that was a, a great one kind of for our business in a sense, because like, you know, we're a relatively new business and we've been gradually building up and growing over time. So when Sport Ireland, who are essentially the nationally the national governing body for sport, like the Department of Sport, contacted us and asked us, did we want to tender for um to market the European Week of Sport in Ireland, which is uh, it's a big event, you know, like it's it's something that's run across the whole of the EU. We were like, uh, obviously, fairly excited about it. So we were, lo- we were like, lovely, yeah, of course we will. Like, and then uh, we went for that 
tender and we won the tender process against a couple of other kind of bigger companies than us. So we were happy with that anyway. The the European Week of Sport, I suppose, um, is is just a week-long kind of celebration of sport and activity. and it's Similar to some of the other projects we've run, like um, just trying to encourage people all over Ireland to kind of take part in sport and get involved, like not on a high level, like we're not trying to turn people into pro athletes or anything like that, but even just kind of going out for walks and runs and like, like, as I said, like all sorts of obscure sports are going on, like that we don't even know of, like we were down in, we were down in Wexford um, on the beach and people were doing this thing called sand yachting. I've never heard of it in my life before, but basically like, you sit in a cart like a little go-kart and it has a sail and you're on the beach and the wind brings you along and you can go up to three times the speed of the wind in this thing like the people were rallying around in it like and i was like this just mad like i don't even know this stuff is on because like i don't know about you but i only ever really hear about ga soccer and rugby like you know but there's so much on, like even now when I go down, this, I know I mentioned the beach already, but I was only down the beach there today in um, Clontarf and there's all sorts of stuff going on like that, kite surfing and, uh, you know, mad water sports and all that stuff that I never would have heard of. And I was just thinking like, isn't this great? Like, well, you, you really need to get the message out there that, that that's going on. And a lot of people would see that and they probably say, oh, you have to be a water sports person to get involved with that. But you don't, like a lot of these county county councils and local sports partnerships are actually putting on these things and what they want is they just want more people to go but a lot of people think they're closed off like you know it's not like the GA club where everyone knows they can kind of just walk down and you'll you'll be able to go on some team or something like that but these things like they're put on as well you don't need your own you don't need all your own equipment or anything like that there's there's access to them there so anyone who's uh, interested in any sort of weird sport even fencing and all that sort of thing just contact your local sports partnership there'll be definitely definitely something for you to do and that as you did with um in conjunction with aig and dublin j uh that was actually quite remarkable the as if you're flicking um a book you know the, the clubs oh the yeah club. the animation stuff animation yeah yeah, no, it was cool. Like, that was one of those things, like, you know, during the first lockdown where we couldn't do any shoots, like, and obviously AIG are one of our clients and they're um, obviously a, a, a fairly big brand. So we want to kind of, uh, wanted to continue the, the partnership. So we kind of had to come up with some outside of the book thinking, like, so we thought we'd, um, we'd recreate some of the, the most iconic scores that you might have seen over the years. But we kind of, we've, do it without using match footage because they don't actually have the, you have to be a main GA sponsor to have the rights to use match footage so what we did was actually it's a painstaking enough process but you kind of get the get the the goal or the point or whatever it might be and you have it on a screen and then you have an iPad separately and it's hooked up you know and you basically you pause the first frame and you draw everything on the screen so you basically trace over it in all the kind of colours it's not going to be exactly the same but you're drawing over it like a cartoon and then you just flick the next frame and then you draw over the next frame and when I say frame like I don't mean second like there there could be 50 frames in a second you know so so even to get one second of footage you're doing the same drawing 50 times like you know and oh, you go over and over and over again it takes ages but like it looks really cool at the end of it like so um you know that's a good one and yeah we had to do a lot of work for AIG because they, they had a lot of stuff that they still needed to promote like that they were 
that they were running over that time and you know you just you just have to you just have to work with it and you just have to try and get the job done um otherwise you know you're not going to have the business anymore so you may as well um think outside the box you know and do you think um something we actually spoke about off air uh, i know you're saying you're doing a lot of we say media events now they're doing you know you're doing virtually um but do you think we say on the normal normally used to have a media day and have the launch in for the the business or company or whatever the case may be but now with done virtually do you think they have the same benefit as having the media day yeah so we run obviously a lot of media events um over the last couple of years like we we used to i suppose get like you know two three four players bring them down, do a photo shoot um, bring them into interviews with all the national media. And then they talk about the product. They talk about their sport. They talk about everything and, you know, get your product out there, your brand mentioned online, your brand mentioned in papers, all that kind of thing. And it would take, honestly, like, you'd probably be starting setting up things from seven in the morning and you might not finish until about five in the evening. And one thing that the the whole lockdown just taught us, it was that, like, it doesn't need to be that complicated. You don't need to complicate it as much. We've been doing media launches and events over Zoom, over Skype, over calls even, without the video part. And they're just as efficient. Essentially, what the goal of the media um, event or launch is to get, one, the picture of the ambassador with your brand, you know, with your brand clothes and uh, branding in the picture to land in with the interview and two, just to get the product mentioned and a bit about the product or service or what it is. So it doesn't really matter how you do it. It's just about getting it there because we've done some in person and you'll get a load of coverage and then you do them on Skype and you still get the same amount of coverage, you know. And it makes it easier, one, for the player, because if you're getting David Clifford, for example, he doesn't have to come up from Kerry to, to Dublin to do uh, a few interviews. You know, uh, two, it makes it easier on the journalists because they don't all have to kind of come down at 10 o'clock in the morning and do this interview when they could be, it could be busy, they could be doing other things. There's a lot on, they're, they're busy men. So it actually makes it easier for everyone because they can just open their, open their laptop, get the thing done in a half an hour, and then that's it, job done. And then you open the papers the next day or you go online or you listen to on the ball team buildings podcast or whatever. <laughs> and there's the products, uh, the products mentioned, the brand mentioned, the, the pictures are landing. You know, you could get a photographer down to Kerry, from Kerry to do the pictures for you. Or you could be using an ambassador that's a long-term ambassador. So you might have content already. So the results are the same. But the the workload and effort on everyone is probably a quarter of the amount. So essentially, I think there's a good chance that it will go that way for the long term future. That's if you're not running something that's really, really big where you need to get loads of people in and do specific photography. But if it's kind of just one some once off stuff or some kind of things with existing ambassadors, I don't see any reason why they'll need to go back to doing full-day kind of events. Um, do you think you were kind of reluctant, you know, we say only for the, the lockdown and COVID, do you see yourself, would you have went this way eventually or 
were you forced to as a result of COVID? No, I think it was all because of COVID. Like, to be honest, a lot of times you just think that's the way that's the way it's done and you just keep doing it that way when necessarily that's not necessarily the only way that it can be done. People have just found out a lot of new ways that things things can change and improve for the better because of COVID as a result of this. And like I actually think in about six months' time or whenever it does end, people look back and say, yeah, it was a tough time, but Jesus, like we after coming up with all this mad new stuff, it's after making our business a lot more streamlined, a lot better, a lot more efficient. And now we can we can do a launch in in two hours and then still continue to work for the rest of the day instead of you know boxing off a whole day to actually just do this one event you know and as well a lot of companies um, a lot of companies charge by the hour as well so they try and drag things out but um, no we we wouldn't do that but like a lot of other companies will charge charge by the hour. So they think like, oh, geez, we get a whole day out of this. Like we'll make another few bob, you know. But, um, you know, look, that's up to them, what they, whatever they want to do. Perfect, perfect. It's, um, it's definitely more, uh, more cost effective. So, and it's, it's more, um, more appealing, you know, to, to get it done that way. Um, but like, like you were saying, if, if there's bigger events, obviously the an actual full day would be um, appropriate. Off air there, you mentioned something about you're doing a big project with a large uh, corporate bank in, in Ireland. Uh, do you want to give a kind of a brief insight into what it is and, and how, you know, how you're not only for sporting organizations, you, you, tailor, you can cater for corporates as well? Yeah, I suppose uh, we kind of started out the, the company and it, it was never supposed to just be a sports company, you know, that kind of way or a sports marketing agency or whatever. Like it just so happened that a lot of our clients ended up coming from sports just because, um, you know, um, natural because of my own relationship with a lot of brands and sports and Sean's relationship with brands and sports. And then once you do a few, that's where you get the next ones from. But now we're, we've kind of started to branch out into a few different areas, such as, um, you know, corporate kind of um, content and kind of videography and events and stuff like that. So we are working with uh, one of the bigger banks, um, as well as we are working with another client that's Accounting, accounting Technicians Ireland, who run education uh, courses for upcoming accountants and people just out of school are retraining and reskilling in Ireland. And we've, um, you know, a lot of other businesses like the likes of Mayo and TGI and Leisureplex and stuff like that that wouldn't really have any relationship to sport. But um, it just kind of, it's given us a new kind of, a new wing or whatever you want to call it there that we can kind of branch out and look into because, um, you know, there's only, <laughs> there's only so much sport. And, you know, when a thing like COVID happens as well and every bit of it is cancelled, you kind of have to have a rethink. But um, yeah, it's something that we're enjoying and we're learning a lot about, and it's um, yeah, it's 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 new, and it, we're happy with it anyway. Perfect. And look, Will, um, you mentioned there that you're, you know, you you would have had close relationships, and you would have, um, you know, to sport, and and the GA would be very big in your life, and always has been um, important in your life. Um, you played a bit of football with Claire. How did that come about? 
Oh, yeah, it was, um, that was a, uh, a good while ago. It was an interesting uh, old time. So I was down in college in Limerick at the time. And, you know, we would have played a bit of um, kind of friendly. A lot of the time we were playing college matches against Clare and stuff like that and friendlies and like, you know, the McGrath Cup and all them type of things. And even um, I kind of just started training with them because I was obviously playing with a club in Dublin and couldn't train, didn't go back up to Dublin for training and stuff like that. So basically kind of, um, I kind of knew the, asked, knew the manager a bit and I asked him, can I come down and do a bit of training? And then after a while they were like, you know, are you interested in playing? And I was kind of like, um, I didn't even know I could play, like, you know, that kind of way. But there, apparently there's some sort of rules there where, you know, you can transfer it to another county um, if they haven't won a provincial title in a certain amount of time. So, um yeah, um, I went down, transferred down to play with Claire, and it was actually um, it was a great time. It was a really enjoyable experience. There was a few other people there from Dublin and Kildare and that at the time, like you know, Shane McGrath, I think, from uh, Thomas Davis and um, Niall Brown from Kildare, a few others. Like so, like it was um, it was certainly an enjoyable time. I I enjoyed every minute of it. We ended. I played in the Munster final against Cork actually. And um, played Kerry in the played Kerry in the quarter, uh, the qualifiers as well that year. So didn't get the easiest of draws, but um, you know it's it's fun time. I never got to play with Dublin or anything like that. So um, yeah, it's interesting playing against these big teams, and uh, yeah, it was a good crack. All right, that must have been um, must have been a great experience. It's, it's weird how, how you know how things um, happen. Do you know what I suppose? Has G always been um, very, very important in your life? I'm knowing you over the last year or so. I know it has, but it, has it been important throughout your life? Um, I wouldn't say always, to be honest. I've come and gone from the game many times. Um, yeah, so obviously I started out GA like everyone else, like at a young age, you know, um, in the nurseries and all that kind of thing and then like you know teenagers might have fallen away from it a bit and then kind of you come back into it again late teens and that kind of thing and then like I think from kind of yeah mid to late teens on it has been very important like you know it never I, I wasn't always you know the best player around like I wasn't playing for Dublin or anything like that but I think it just gives you a good grounding for life in general um, obviously you have the kind of teamwork elements and the communications elements but I think it, the biggest thing that it actually gives you is just a bit of a thicker skin you know you know um, if you can sit down in a dressing room and get abused like well not abused obviously but like um, you know someone giving you a stick and telling you you know you were crap in that game and stuff like that and eventually you just don't even care like you know off the pitch people can say yeah to you now and you're just like you laugh it off and it's just like nothing like it's just a bit of resilience like it gives you and um you know obviously it's always always good for your health and fitness as well so it gives you a lot like you know people complain a lot that they put a lot into ga but they they forget what they get out of it i think definitely 100 there's a lot of um a lot of life skills you you can you can take from it and that's that's actually to that can be applicable to sports in in general um your your father was a hand enough footballer back in the day. Oh, he was, yeah, yeah. Um, probably still is, to be honest with you. He's moving well these days, but um, <laughs> no, he he played for Galway for a long time and um, won a lot in the process. Um, clubs, um, 
Connacht's that type of thing and went into management after that and was pretty successful in in the management game and um you know yeah it's obviously been a big influence in in my life he's a good uh, good leader in all sorts of ways and a good influence for me and um yeah I'm I'm, I'm lucky to have him essentially um you know, funny enough, like you, you wouldn't actually know that he had had all those medals at all. Somebody made him recently. Um, somebody made him something like you know those frame things that you can hang up your medals in. Like uh-huh. I didn't know he'd even won an All Ireland Club Championship, like with uh, Tone and College in Limerick. Like, but then like he had all the medals hung up in this thing, like, and it was like it was rows and rows of them, and I'm just thinking like. Yeah. You never told me about any of this stuff. Like I didn't even know. Like I, I don't think I've never seen. It. I never saw him play a match or anything like that. Like he never turned it on the telly. Like watch me play this match here and like that. But you do see them on TG Carter the odd time. Like you know they play back the '83 All Ireland final the odd time, and uh, he gets an awful elbow off Brian Mullins and doesn't last <laughs> doesn't last much longer on the pitch. Right? <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's good. Yeah, lucky lucky to have him. Brilliant, brilliant, and. What I actually found very interesting is that he, he served as selector um, with Dublin Seniors under Caffrey between 05 and 08. You, you were probably in and around the setup then, so with him as a young fella, were you? Were you going to the games and things? Um, yeah, I would have been going to the games and all. I would have been kind of a teenager a bit at the time. Like, so I would have been on the hill with the lads, you know, bag of cans and all sorts of stuff, <laughs> like in Fairview Park before. Like, But... Um, yeah, it was an interesting time because they got so close. Like to be honest, like uh, Dublin before Pillar Caffrey, they were like they weren't great. Like you know, you think about like they were winning a Leinster here and there. Like and then obviously the lads came in and you know they I think they won five or six Leinsters in a row. And even at the time, I remember like you'd win the Leinster championship. Like you know you'd beat like Wexford or something like that. And the whole, the people would flood onto the pitch, like, you know, all the Dublin fans, would be 50,000 Dublin fans celebrating on the pitch. And you just think now, like, because they've won so much now, but, like, you win the Leinster, they win the Leinster Championship, and most of the crowd have left and gone home before the match is even over, like, you know? It's just, it's such a different time. Like. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's amazing how time times has changed. And does he do any, is he doing any training now? Is he involved in any team? As a slick so or... yeah, I think the last team that he was involved with was um, so obviously he was involved with Sylvester's a long time ago, but he went back in in a kind of a coaching role, more so overarching coaching role that was involved with the coaching the coaches as such. But now he's working out in Abbottstown, so he's retired from teaching. He was a teacher in St David's, but he's retired and he's working out in Abbottstown now with a lot of the inter-county teams just setting up the trainings and stuff like that and organising it all for them so um, he's back working for working with the GAA so um, I don't think yeah, there'll any, be any other organisation he never worked for anyway so uh, he's happy enough Brilliant brilliant. and just I suppose look I, I've lived in Dublin and I uh, you know for a good while and I just find the GAA scene up there absolutely very very interesting Um and it's no wonder that the standard is so high, you know, the train that goes in and just the, the volume of people. Um, so we might just touch on that now. But you moved between, uh, between clubs above there from Parnells to Rihini. Um, that's a common enough occurrence in Dublin to move between clubs. Because, you know, obviously outside of Dublin, it wouldn't be. Yeah. 
it's not that common now to be honest it's not that common like but i know in in some counties like you're not allowed to play for a club like that you're not born or something into the parish like you know some mad stuff like that when you think about it like yeah but um you know, um, it, it wouldn't be that common and it wouldn't be that easy as well now. I can tell you that from experience. Like, you know, you need the club to sign. You can't transfer unless the club signs off on it, you know. So there's often a lot of... Um, it's often a hard enough process to get it through. Like, you see sometimes players, um, you know, having to sit out years and stuff like that. But even now, they, I think they've got rid of that rule where you can sit out a year and transfer. But, like... Some people are just doing it in the hope that the club might sign off on it the year after because, you know, they're not playing. But, um, you know, I had actually played for Rohini anyway. That was the, my first club was Rohini, you know, but um, uh, around the age, I don't know, under 12 or something like that, the soccer and the ga was clashing and um, we didn't have a team. So I was going to school up in Artane. So I just said, uh, I'll join Parnells, you know. So I went to Parnells for a while and um yeah that was um that was good as well. Like Parnells that we sold pitches for thirty million at one stage and it was like uh, the Galacticos up there, every train session you come down, there'll be a new face there and you'd be like, Oh no your man, that's bleeding uh, Connor Mortimer there and that's uh, you know, Parkinson and all these sort of lads like like at one stage, I'd say we'd about fifteen intercounty players, like we intercounty players and all on on the bench and all sorts of stuff. We two chefs, we two chefs following us around, you know, giving us food whenever we wanted and all that stuff. Getting holidays, all that type of thing. And I remember still sitting there, and there'd be people still complaining, you know, like typical GA. Like it's there's always something to fucking complain about. Like we are still not getting something, like you know. But we we had everything. We didn't keep. We didn't get close to win the championship. Like I think we got the semi final one year. But like, in fairness, like we come from intermediate and division two. Like and you know built it up. But it kind of every all the players then obviously the Galacticos or whatever you want to call them, they went back eventually to their own clubs. And then what we were left with was, you know, the previous team that we had. They had actually a lot of a lot of them had stopped playing because their places were taken by by the lads like no fault of the lads like they they were just coming in and joining but um yeah then you ended up with kind of a team that were going down kind of quickly so I was just like um yeah look I'll go back to Rohini now and um play a bit of ball there for a few years and you know I've um enjoyed it so far anyway so uh hopefully um we can actually go a bit further in years to come Brilliant, brilliant. And you've um you've partnered Dublin J star Brian Finton on a number of occasions uh with Rohini. Um powerful player and a real leader. Do you want to give us a, a bit of an insight into you know what it's like to, to play with him on the pitch? Yeah, I suppose all I can say is like we'd be certainly lucky to get the chance to play with someone at that level because you know you look back and you you look back on all these kind of um shows and telly and you see like Brian Mullins and uh, you know Anthony Tohill and uh Darrow O'Shea and all these lads and um, you know they're mentioned in folklore of the GAA but like sometimes when you're in the here and now you don't kind of realise but like look his, his talent and ability is unquestionable like probably probably one of if not the best player in, in the country right now so that's not in question but the one thing that's the most impressive really is kind of I suppose is charisma and leadership ability and just when he's 
when he says kind of things, people listen and they follow him. And even like, you know, the difference in like when we're training and it's just the club kind of players from January to whatever time. And the difference in that training compared to just when like him and Brian Howard obviously come back. It's just the intensity levels goes up tenfold because there's obviously a lot of young lads there who are about 20 years of age and they're just, they just want to impress. Like, you know, at the end of the day, like probably they don't realise that like they're, pe- they're playing with their idols essentially and some of the best players that have ever played the game. So you're just lucky in, in a sense because some people don't get the chance. And in your opinion, um, the fact, you know, that you, you were brought up in, in the Dublin Football Championship, um, why do you think it's so competitive and, you know, the standard is so high up there compared to other, other counties? Yeah, well, look, we all know that the level of the players um, that are on the Dublin team and the squad is is so high. But just because because of the, the volume of players that they have that are coming through Dublin Academy systems and, you know, may, might not make the Dublin panel. So you have about 40 lads on the Dublin panel. But there's about another, there's probably another 50 there that are the level just below the Dublin panel who are probably... Uh, would be some of the best players on the other counties' teams, like you know that kind of way. So, I think it's not necessarily the actual the Dublin players that make it that strong because in Kerry, like there's obviously them Kerry players are still playing the Kerry Championship and they're all of an equal kind of standard um, as the Dublin players. But it's the next level of players that are still phenomenal players. You know that you're coming up against and you're saying, oh yeah, well he's not a county player, but like he's still the best player on their team. You know. It just so happens that he can't get into the Dublin team because you know Conor Callahan is also a full forward, like and this fella's a full forward, like you know. So it's, it's that level, like, and then obviously it's just uh, playing numbers as well. Like playing numbers are extremely high. Like they're obviously similar to similar level to Cork, but it's more focus on football in Dublin, uh, whereas in Cork I think it's a lot uh, more focus on hurling, you know. But the player playing numbers are so high. The level of the level of coaching, the level of players that are coming through, it's just um, yeah, it's a high standard. But look, you know yourself, a lot of other county championships are, are very high standard as well. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And just I, I spent a bit of time um, trying to play a bit of football over there, but you know, just kind of experience it really was the the main thing. But uh, I was blown away with the with the standard and the volume. I suppose the volume mm-hmm. of people. You know, a lot of the thing as well is that all the uh, most of the good players play play in senior championship. I know you guys have obviously the regional teams and stuff like that and carry and that, but like a lot of the, a lot of the good players, would I be right in saying, are spread out uh, in a lot of junior clubs and intermediate clubs and all that kind of thing. Like whereas when you look at Dublin, there I don't think there's any player in Dublin that's not. On, that's on the senior panel that's playing intermediate or junior or anything like that you know so they're all the good players are all concentrated in the senior clubs which is it's 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 not necessarily a good thing but just the geography of Dublin means that like you know you're not born in you're not going to be born miles away from a good club you know that kind of way yeah that's that's definitely um that's actually a very interesting point and yeah that definitely makes a big difference to say the commute um but just onto onto future proof media. Um, when did this uh, kind of start to happen, really, for you? And how did you come about it? Yeah, so 
we started, we had a few, a few actual fall stones before we actually got up and running, you know, like these things, as you know yourself, with a business, like it's not always plain sailing at the start. Like I kind of had a go at it once um, with, with uh, a couple of, couple of other people who are kind of half interested, you know, that kind of way you're kind of trying to convince them to do things and it's just didn't really work out and kind of we knocked it on the head um, that was future proof marketing now so it was kind of uh, we've changed it slightly um, <laughs> you know so uh, we had another go at it then me and Sean got involved and Sean's um, a very diligent person and he's um, extremely good at his job so um, you can imagine it went better um, the second time around future proof media now so um, rebrand as you know and uh, yeah we started off as as all businesses nearly do, started off with um, zero euro and zero cent and uh, working from my sofa in Rohini, um, spine nearly broken um, and just basically just started, started going after brands and businesses and stuff like that and just trying to see what we could get, trying to get that first client over the line and, you know, started off small targeting small businesses local barbers and shops and all sorts of stuff and you know you just gradually build it up and over time and if you stay in the game long enough you'll kind of start getting some bigger clients and look we're lucky enough that kind of it has gone the way it has so um yeah that's how it started anyway but um yeah it was a bit of hard work there in the in the in in the middle and we said early days um how difficult do you find it, you know, we say to get clients, um, and I suppose from a person, you know, from my own perspective, it's, you know, you're just wanting that one person to put a bit of faith in you. Yeah, that was a, that was an interesting time, right? So at the start, we didn't realize that we hadn't a clue, like, you know what I mean? Like we were about a week into business and like, I'm there sitting on my sofa um, sending emails to like Glandia and like Bank of Ireland and all this stuff and I'm just asking them like you know do they want a new marketing agency and I'm just thinking like I don't know why these people aren't getting back to me like it just makes no sense like and all this stuff like and then I look back and I think like I was in business work one week working from the back room of my gaff like and I was thinking I'm going to land like global multinational companies and all this stuff like so it's just funny, like, you you know, getting the first few over the line is definitely the hardest part. Like, I find it hard, I found it harder to get, like, you know, um, a local barber, say, to do something than I now find to get it, get in front of, you know, a national or international brand. Just because it's it, it's um, a smaller business, they they don't have that much money to be thrown around and that type of thing. And just trying to get it over the line is difficult. But the way I see it is, it just takes a bit of consistency and a bit of a uh, bit of effort. And also, the most important thing is just don't even don't worry about people who don't get back to you. Like who cares? Like it's not the end of the world. Like as I was saying to you before, like if you opened up my LinkedIn, still to this day, like I'd say if you scrolled back to. 2018 or whenever we start you'd be scrolling for about two months i'd say of just unread unread unopened messages from people that are just people fobbing you off or ghosting you or like even sometimes they kind of get back to you and they give you a bit of a bite there and then you just never hear from them again they're just like oh, i don't know what the story is but you know you get five thousand no's and then like you get ten yeses like 
that's the way it is. It's about it's a one percent success rate, but like you only need the successful ones. The rest of them only take a second, like and they're gone and just forget about it. Sure, who cares? Just keep plugging away, you know. No, definitely one hundred percent because it's uh, and I suppose the big thing is it's probably important not to get disheartened disheartened about those that don't get back to you. Well, that's the most important. That's the most important because. The one thing that I've kind of learned in in business and in a lot of walks of life is if you can stay in the game for long enough, you'll get there. You'll be successful. You'll get the clients. A lot of people will send out uh, messages, call calls, all that stuff, and they'll be flat out doing it. But they do it for about two or three months and they'll be like, oh, nobody's getting back to me. And then they give up. And that's one less person that I have to worry about also trying to get the same clients that I am. But like, if you can keep going and just keep be, being consistent over a long period of time, you'll end up, you'll get there and you won't even have to send, you won't even have to do the business development stuff anymore because you'll be so busy working on your current clients and you'll be getting the recommendations coming in. And like, I don't do really that much kind of that stuff anymore, the selling and trying to get new clients on because they kind of come to us now. But at the start, it was it was a slog. But like, I used to actually find it funny, like how many people are going to ignore me today? Like, you just have to kind of flip it on its head. Like, you know, oh, this fella ignored me again. Like, you know, how many messages can I send with, without like someone getting back to me? Like, you know, it's funny, but like, you just need the one. That's all, all I keep saying. You just need the one and then you're, you're happy out, you know? And did you always have a passion or interest in, in advertising and marketing? Or was that kind of just something you kind of fell into? Or, or what was the, what's the background there? Um, yeah, I didn't necessarily. I suppose it wasn't something that I knew I, I had a passion for, if you know what I mean. It was, it's, kind of, it's kind of an intuitive understanding of... Uh, of kind of people and the human psyche that kind of really um really helps with advertising and marketing because you're really just trying to build a tribe of people around the product and that type of thing but it's more something that i learned intuitively as opposed to something that i've always had a passion for my whole life i suppose i was doing a kind of a business course or something in college i didn't really know what i was going to do and then like I remember the GPA were in, I was with Claire at the time, the GPA were on uh, saying, oh, we're doing these kind of uh, personal development courses or whatever. And I was like, ah, sure, why not? Sure, I'll head down to this. And then like, did all these kind of weird tests, you know, that sort of stuff they do, the kind of brain tests and all that stuff and personality and all that stuff. And he was like, you know, show me my graph and all that kind of thing. And he was like, you be quite suited to marketing and advertising and I was just like oh, that sounds good you know should I give that a bash and then similar enough when I finished college a similar enough situation to um, what I was doing when I started the business I just got onto every marketing and uh, just googled marketing advertising companies in Dublin or whatever Cork Galway the whole lot and uh, yeah messaged emails rang every single one of them and eventually got a got an internship like i had no experience around like that like you know with no uh didn't have a marketing degree or a pr degree or anything like that um but um yeah i just got an internship in a place called wilson hartnell which is um it's a well-known kind of pr agency in dublin they look after stuff like um you know aib ga the toughest adidas carlsberg all that type of thing and literally learned everything I knew pretty much in there on that internship, worked my way up into a few different uh, 
levels in the place and um yeah got a passion for it there really got a deep deeper understanding of how the brands work and the planning behind all these uh, type of campaigns and the different different things that you need to know and uh different touch points for the customers and how how these um how certain things impact sales as a as a opposed to just awareness and yeah i learned it all there and loved it and you know it all just kind of led down this path to to future proof i suppose and just uh setting up a business what what advice would you give people um would you encourage them not to over plan because sometimes when you over plan you can kind of convince yourself not to go ahead with it yeah um i would say the best thing to do is just if you want to start a business just start it like i actually was thinking about starting a business for for so long like but i didn't actually do anything about it like but like um sometimes you just have to take that leap and just hope for the best because um i had no idea what way this whole thing was going to pan out at all like you know we started like and we always said like oh, i yeah, will do a business plan will we like and then like you just never did it like you know that kind of way you just kind of take it as it goes like the way i see it is if you just keep turning up every day do your work work hard uh, do it consistently over a period of time like you will you will get there you know it's important obviously to plan to a certain extent but you don't have to drill down like oh um i need this uh, that and the other to get started like you need a you need to register the company first once you have it registered sometimes it gives people um a bit of a bit of a kick to get going get get all your website set up your social media channels and just start pumping stuff out and start advertising and um you know it will all happen naturally people don't real like people think they need to know about business but like you don't you'll you just kind of get to get it just happens naturally and you get to know all these things and um you know it all falls into place but yeah i'd say just do it like you know don't think about like oh i've no money all that type of thing like you don't even need money anymore <laughs> you obviously need money to live but you don't need money to start a business like especially a service-based business like you're running a service you know you just need yourself and you just need your enthusiasm to keep going and and it will work out you know brilliant, brilliant. and um in your opinion no what do you think um has changed in terms of marketing or advertising as a result of COVID, or what will i suppose when we look back when this period has finished what do you think we'll be looking back on and taking the positives from in marketing yeah well look as i said earlier like we've we've certainly come <clears throat> to be able to um you know streamline things a lot more and kind of run projects off a lot more efficiently like you even see now like there's some tv ads like tv ads used to be you know massive big few hundred grand projects but i saw some ads for like um brands during the lockdown that were shot with people using the selfie cam on their phone and all that type of thing you know it's more in my opinion about the substance of the product that's produced now as opposed to you know how kind of high-end it looks and all that kind of thing like there has been even studies done over the course of the lockdown showing that people are responding more to kind of more natural content that looks like people are shooting doing it from their own phone or at home and all because it just relates more to their lives and there's like even saying that the brand recall on then on ads that showed people that had masks on as opposed to not having masks on was higher and that type of thing it's just everything's a lot more and um, just kind of um 
just natural and kind of all about the stories, all about the empathy for what people are going through now. And, um, you know, I think that will, will probably continue into the future as well. And just we'll, we'll wrap it up now. Um, but I got one question in there earlier on. Um, uh, how did you get the slogan, Ain't No Proof? Ain't No Spoof? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think I know who sent in that question now, funnily enough. He sure have copyrighted it at the time. This um came from Shane Kelly, am I correct? Yeah. 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 Um so yeah, I won't say exactly what it is because it's a bit a bit strange. But Shane used to be fancy himself as a bit of a rapper, you know, that kind of way. Like he used to make up these raps and like you say, ain't no spoof in the raps and all this stuff. Like it's just something that kind of stuck in my head anyway. And then when we were starting the company, we thought, I suppose, the, the most important thing, I suppose, with a marketing company is that you're not absolute spoofers and bluffers because there's there's a lot of the people around that will just do stuff for brands or companies and they'll just blind them with statistics. Like, so they'll come to you, they'll do a kind of a, a marketing event or some sort of project for you and you haven't sold any more um, packages or anything like that and they'll be like oh well look we got a reach of uh, five billion here and um, you know the um, the number of impressions were 400 million and all this like and it's just spoof like so we just thought it was important that we um we we're open and honest with everyone and um you know we weren't spoofers we weren't bluffers we're going to do the job and we'll tell you what you're going to get in advance and then we'll do do it efficiently effectively and and honestly so i thought that that slogan kind of worked because it was with future proof as well so ain't no spoof with future proof and uh kind of stuck so we're uh happy enough thanks for that shane <laughs> brilliant, brilliant no definitely when um when uh when you did we launched for on the ball team building there it's actually coming up a year ago um it was excellent 100 percent and the the kickback from it was uh was well worth it um uh how did yourself and sean actually cross paths Oh Jesus! Um, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> this actually is a good one. Me and Sean actually met on um, a J one in Boston, right? So we both went over to the same team um, in Boston, the Wolf Tones, um, Wolf Tones GA Club in Boston. And then um, I walked in the door at the, at the Braden House, and there's this fella there, and he was just like, I don't know if he was half cut or what he was doing, but he was just absolutely messing for four months straight and i just thought like god oh, this fella's go crack anyway sound and we just kind of hit it off after that and like um you know over the years we kind of always been friends and um he worked in leading um tech or something along them lines with accenture and um i never thought we'd be running a marketing company together considering like most time we were just on the beer together you know in in boston but um you know, it kind of all comes full circle and now I'm sure the two of us are flat out working and, um, you know, hopefully long may it continue, you know. Brilliant, brilliant. Look, I'm, uh, we better wrap it up there now because uh, I, I took enough of your time and look, I, I really appreciate it, Connor. And look, best luck with everything going forward and thanks very much for coming on Inside View Podcast. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks, Jamie. Enjoyed that chat with Connor, a uh, very interesting down to guy. Um, both himself and Sean have been a great help to to me personally and to the business on the ball team building over the last, you know, twelve eighteen months since I since I uh, met Connor and Sean. Um, two great guys doing excellent work above there in Dublin. Um, and they're always always there for you know for a bit of a help, a bit of guidance. So, um, 
if you're you know if you're a startup or if you're thinking you know to rebrand or kind of just kind of push your business on you should definitely get on to the to the guys to future proof media um they'll definitely push you in the right direction and they'll they'll definitely put a package together for you that will um you know that'll definitely benefit you because I, I definitely saw the benefits of the media launch um that future proof media did for for on the ball team building about but your own this time last year um so definitely definitely encourage any any business to to get onto the guys they're top class and extremely professional in what to do that is all from us on this week's podcast please do contact the show if you like to you know uh, contribute in any way possible we'd really appreciate it like i said last week we would love to get a kind of a segment going on the podcast just about um being part of a team whether it's sports team or corporate team stories that you may have uh be sure to to send them in either through social media or you can email us info on the ball team building.com uh we'd love to love to hear them and everything be kept confidential so no need to worry on that side of things um please do rate review tell your friends family about an interview podcast and be sure to follow us on all social media platforms in order to keep up to date about what we're doing, any any upcoming uh, competitions or, and things like that. You'll find us on Instagram at We're On The Ball. Over on Facebook, it's On The Ball Team Building. Uh, and on Twitter, it's We Are On The Ball 2. We're actually also on TikTok, it's On The Ball Team Building. And over on LinkedIn, we have a page there, it's On The Ball Team Building. Uh, have a lovely week and be sure to tune in again next week when we have another exciting guest on. Uh, till then, stay safe and remember, cred in a thing. Talk to you all soon and thank you all for listening.